is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women. And I am so excited today to be talking with my friend and a repeat guest of Perspectives, Cindy Gallup. Cindy, welcome. Katie, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I don't even know where to start. I mean, we've talked about different things over the years, but I'm really glad to be checking in with you now. And I think you've had such an incredible career journey. The best way I think, let's just start by, can you please talk a little bit about it up until what you're doing now with Make Love Not Porn? Sure. So, you know, my background is 38 years working in advertising. Um, uh, I started out in London um, and I worked there for um, Ted Bates um, back in the days when Ted Bates actually existed, <laughs> sadly no longer. Then I went on to work for J. Walter Thompson. Um, obviously, back in the days when J. Walter Thompson still existed, now it's Wonderman Thompson. Um, then I moved on to Gold Greenies Trot GGT, also no longer with us. And then I fetched up in 1989 at Bartle Hegarty BBH, where I proceeded to spend the next 16 years of my career. And I worked for BBH in London, um, in Singapore, helping to start up and run BBH Asia Pacific. And I'm here in New York because I moved here 25 years ago to start up um, the US office for BBH. So um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the shape of my advertising career. Let's talk about Make Love Not Porn. Why did you start it and how has it developed? So, um, I have a business that is a complete and total accident because I never conscious intention decided to do anything I very bizarrely find myself doing now. So Make Love Not Porn came about because I date younger men. They tend to be in their 20s. And through my direct personal experience dating younger men, I realized 15, 16 years ago now that when we don't talk openly and honestly about sex, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. I'm a naturally action-oriented person. I went, I'm going to do something about this. And so 14 years ago, purely as a side venture, as a kind of public service announcement, I put up a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original version was just words. The construct was porn world versus real world. Here's what happens in the porn world. Here's what really happens in the real world. Not that TED, um, I have a notorious TED talk, which went viral, and it drove an extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. Thousands of people wrote to me from every single country in the world, young and old, men and female, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out. And I realized I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. And so that was when I went, oh my God, I now have a responsibility. I have to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that will make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. So I turned into a business designed to do good and make money simultaneously, which, by the way, is what I believe all business should do, ultimately. So today, Make Love Not Porn is the world's first and only user-generated, 100% human-curated social sex video-sharing platform. So we're kind of what Facebook would be, if Facebook allowed us to socially, sexually self-express, which it clearly does not. The way to think about us is, if porn is the Hollywood blockbuster movie, Make Love Not Porn is the badly needed documentary. We are a unique window onto the funny, messy, loving, wonderful sex we all have in the real world. We are socializing, normalizing, and destigmatizing sex, bringing it out of the, out of the shadows into the sunlight, 
to promote consent, communication, good sexual violence behavior. We are literally sex education through real world demonstration. So that sounds amazing, well needed, and yet for all the people that have embraced it, you've been very open about the difficulties of being a female founder and raising capital. What has the main challenges been? Do you think it's the the category it's in or is it something else? Do you know, Katie, my fundamental challenge raising funding is that I know that my investors are out there and there are a ton of them, but they are impossible to find by the usual means because they all have one thing in common. Your willingness to fund Make Love Not Porn is entirely a function of your personal sexual journey. It's a function of your personal lens on sex and sexuality that's been shaped by your own experience of it. And I have no way to research and target for that, (laughs) especially because sex is one of those areas where you cannot tell from the outside what anybody thinks on the inside. The people who look like they would totally get it don't. The people who look like complete prudes do. And so my strategy has to be, I put what I'm doing out there all the time deliberately. Across all my social channels, I do every media interview master, I go on every podcast, because I have to make synaptic connections happen that will attract those investors to me. Now, this is theoretically a long, slow, painful, highly inefficient process, but the good news is it does actually work. And in the past year, it's been working more and more. I mean, I am frankly amazed at the amount of incoming investor interest I get on LinkedIn. And by the way, if you had told me 10 years ago that one day I would say to you, I'm all about LinkedIn, I would have laughed in your face. Today, (laughs) I'm all about LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my number one investor lead generator. And so, you know, while it's going slowly, I am very encouraged that 14 years on, I will now finally find the investors and the funding that I need. And then what will you do with it? So um, I'm raising funding to do a number of things, to scale the core business, but then to build out a number of product expansions, which I've had in the pipeline for years, but never been able to get funded. And it is particularly outrageous that I have not been able to get the zero to 18 and beyond sex education expansion of Make Love Not Porn funded, because that is so badly needed. Um, So... When I have funding, I can build all of that and I can really scale to, you know, ultimately, Make Love Report's mission is to help end rape culture. We help end rape culture by doing something incredibly simple that nevertheless nobody anywhere else is doing. We help end rape culture by showing you how wonderful great consensual communicative sex is in the real world. Our social sex videos role model good sexual values and behavior. And here's the important part. We make all of that aspirational versus what you see in porn and popular culture. And, you know, what's interesting, Katie, is that, you know, as you may know, I've been exhorting our industry for decades to reinvent aspirational culture. And that's because we invented aspiration. Our industry made people want things. But we originally invented aspiration around material things. We made you want the right car, the right watch, the right house. I've said to our industry for years that there is a huge opportunity to reinvent aspirational culture 
to encourage people to aspire to things that will make their lives better, make society better. And I'm living my own philosophy. I'm reinventing aspirational culture around sex. Do you ever, you've been at this for 14 years. Do you ever feel like you just want to give up? So, you know, I do, I do readily have moments of deep demoralization and depression because I fight a battle every day to keep this business going. But I absolutely cannot give up because, Katie, you know, if I were a founder who had started something I thought would fly and discovered the market didn't want it, I would have no hesitation admitting that. But I stumbled into a venture that has changed so many people's lives all around the world. Because as a unique business, we have a unique ability. We have the power to change people's sexual attitudes and behavior for the better in a way that nothing else can. And when I know how effective we could be when the only thing we lack is capital, I can't give up. I've got to do everything I can to find that capital no matter what, because the world needs this. The world needs this. The world needs you. And and Cindy Gallup, the person, is also in many ways silly. Cindy, silly. Hold on. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Cindy Gallup, the person, is also in many ways Cindy Gallup, the brand. So... I want to just switch gears a little bit and ask on a on a broader because a lot of people come to you as an advisor. How important is it for women especially to spend the energy and time to really brand themselves as they grow their own careers or they grow their own businesses? So here's the interesting thing Katie because I think it's very important that they do again as you say especially they build their personal brand but it doesn't require the expenditure of time and effort. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, ultimately where your personal brand flows from is where I believe everything flows from, which is I believe that everything in business and in life starts with you and your values. And so what I encourage people to do if they've never done this exercise is look deep within yourself and identify what you stand for, what you believe in, what you value, what you're all about. Because when you do that, I mean, first of all, it makes life so much simpler. Life still throws you all the shit it always will, but you know exactly how to respond to that shit in any given situation in a way that is true to you. Because that is the secret of happiness, living your life and working your work in a way that is true to your values. And when you are doing that, you know, what you're putting out into the world is, that is your personal brand. It's made up of your personal values. Then, you know, I encourage everyone, and again, especially women, to simply be yourself, you know, including on social media. So people worry about, you know, oh my gosh, should my LinkedIn posts be like this? Or, and I go, no, just be yourself. You know, on, on LinkedIn, everybody's a human being too. So absolutely share your points of view on business, on your sector, you know, what you're doing, but also share moments of vulnerability, you know, share, you know, um, fun with friends. You know, I do that. Um, and honestly, I get a huge number of messages on LinkedIn from women and men that say things like, I just want you to know how much I love your content. You know, I love what you post. You're the reason I log into LinkedIn every morning, which, which, is, which is lovely to hear. And, and so what you are then doing is you, you are fully dimensionalizing yourself 
And again, that is that is the sum of your personal brand. That's excellent advice. And I haven't really heard people put it exactly like that. I think a lot of people would feel, you know, social media, you, they think, and you just said this, that you really need to put your best foot forward and look your best and Photoshop your picture and, you know, but but you're saying you you use it and you consume it differently. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, as I say, I'm just being myself and I encourage other people to, including, you know, absolutely put moments of vulnerability out there because people will empathize, respond and come to your rescue. So I'm not going to name any names here, but um, a woman wrote to me a short while back. Um, I, I didn't know her, but she wrote because um, of what she sees me, you know, doing to fight ageism, you know, to encourage gender equality. And so she wrote to me in what was a, a bit of an emotional event, which was that she'd been look at, she's an older woman and she'd been looking for jobs. She'd been on countless interviews. She'd been looking for employment for a long time. And she could not get hired. Okay. And she said, I don't know what to do. And I replied to her, I said, I, I'm really sorry you're going through this. What I recommend you do is write a post about this on LinkedIn. Okay. You know, to um, share your experience and put it out there because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by, you know, the responses you get. And it was funny, you know, she wrote a rather terse um, response back going, you know, what good will that do? You know, that'll do nothing. You know, in, in fact, um, um, it, it was a wee bit, <laughs> you, know, she said, you know, you should think about how you can help you more. And, and I replied and I said, you know, I'm advocating you do this precisely because this is how you do, you know, this advice is how I help people and this is how you will find help. So I strongly encourage you to do this. So um, a little while later, she messaged me on LinkedIn and she went, right, it's about to go live. And she published this post about her frustration, about all the interviews she'd been on. And entirely as I could have predicted, it got a phenomenal response. It got a ton of women and men empathizing. And it also got people saying, you know, um, right, um, connect with me. I've got an opening you might be right for. Uh, so-and-so, you know, who do you know who might want to hire, you know, the name? Uh, and, 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 and she did then actually email me and say, you know, you're absolutely right. I'm very grateful. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for telling me to do this. It, for, for, for basically kicking my ass is how she put it. And so, um, you know, I think, I think people don't, don't realize that, I mean, this is what I love about social media, solidarity. You know, whatever you think you're going through, Thousands of other people going through the same thing as well. They welcome you being open about those moments and people want to help and people will reach out and help. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I think a lot of people found that during the pandemic who hadn't before, you know, in, in a way, but then it's it seems to have morphed now for many people to then go back to your, your glam life or whatever you supposedly have, which... You mentioned something that I wanted to ask you also about ageism. You've been, you're always very frank about how old you are. We have a great group of women that get together every couple of months. And the last one we did at your house, which was amazing. And, and all these women we've been friends with for years and, and they have gotten older. And it's interesting to see how some people don't really want to talk about their age. Mm. 
And mm. other people, I mean, I was lucky enough for you to be in Miami when you were celebrating your 59th birthday. Yes, and, that's right. You're there. There, yeah. You know, we put the hashtag yeah. of your birthday and your age. And mm. I always vacillate because I feel like, hey, I want to tell people how old I am. I'm 53, by the way. But at the same time, I worry, am I aging out of things? What do you say to women that are worried about that? And I, and including me? Mm. Well, well, first of all, there is absolutely no way that you are aging out of anything. And, you know, I find it astonishing that, you know, more people don't realize that, you know, my advice is completely flip this on its head because your age is what makes you valuable. Your breadth of experience, of expertise, you know, um, I've been saying for years to businesses and to business leaders, you know, hiring, valuing and promoting older people is so massively time and cost efficient. Because when you've been around the block as many times as we have, whatever work situation you're faced with, you know how to solve it. You know, frequently you've been there many times before, you know, unlike the younger people running out around going, oh my God, the sky's falling. You know, you know exactly how to solve that problem. You know how to solve that problem really quickly. You know, we, we, we are far more efficient at dealing with business challenges because when you have the experience, you, um, you, you know exactly what solution to move to. You have the tools at your disposal. And so, you know, the older you get, the more valuable you are. And that is how I want people to represent themselves. You know, I, I am an expert. You know, I am valuable because of my age. That's a great way to turn that on, on its head and really important. I think especially in an industry like advertising, which a lot of my listeners are, are a part of where youth is so valued or the idea of youth is so valued. Katie, sorry, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to say um, youth is only valued, ironically, by the older white men at the top of every agency who somehow don't think that ageism applies to them. And so I've gone on public record saying, you know, um, the reason the ad industry is so ageist is because the older white men at the top of it fetishize youth. Okay. And they fetishize youth as in um, they want to hire younger men because they want to be like those younger men. And they want to hire younger women because they're decorative. And I'm sorry, I'm being very straightforward here. But for, as you will know, Katie, for a very large part of the old world order of industry, that is still the attitude. And the good news is that now there are increasing numbers of people who are starting agencies and building businesses outside of the old world order system, you know, who see the future and know the future is hybrid. The future is younger and older working together equally, both bringing to the table different perspectives, different wisdom, different skills to get to, you know, the best possible solutions for our clients. I've interviewed hundreds of women, including you before. And one piece of advice that many of my guests have given my listeners is to be fearless. I'm always struck by that because it seems like a very hard thing to actually do in reality. In some cases, because you don't have the luxury to be fearless. And in other cases, because that's not a place that is comfortable. Should people live fearlessly? So do do you know, Katie, um, I think be fearless is not the way to come at this. I personally am all about managing fear, okay? 
And what I mean by that is, so I'm regularly asked in interviews what I think are the key qualities that an entrepreneur should have. And my answer is always the same. Persistence, resilience, and the ability to manage your own mind. And as someone who's been dealing with startup stress for a very long time, I've gotten very good at managing my own mind. And what I mean by that in the context of fear is I absolutely feel fear like other people. But I know that decisions made out of fear are very bad decisions. And so I've gotten very good at recognizing when fear is starting to cloud my judgment and actively going, right, I've got to take fear out of the equation. And I cannot afford to be fearful if I'm going to make the right move here. And I literally think about it like this. It's... um. Um, I was coaching someone the other day um, who is a woman who um, had been through, and, and by the way, honestly, it's not even like I'm giving away any confidence. I mean, this, this is true of most of the women I coach, depressingly. This woman had been through a very bad experience at her previous place of work because of some shitty men. Okay, honestly, I mean, you know, that covers pretty much all of my female coaching clients. Right. <laughs> but, 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 but in this particular case, um, and, um, and and this is something I observe um, in a number of my coaching clients, and I'm very firm with them about this because, you know, this one was sitting there. And by the way, she's brilliant. She's accomplished. Again, true of all my, all my coaching clients. Um, she's moved on to her, her next thing. But because of her appalling former bosses who are, you, you know, um, still kind of dragging her, her back, she had lost confidence in herself and her belief that she could do this next thing she's doing. And so I said to her, um, it's enormously important that you now do not give this any more negative mind space whatsoever. Okay. Um, because, you know, people come in and, and they want to go back over and over. And I went, right. Okay. From the moment you walk out this door, you are no longer sparing valuable mind space on those ships. Okay. You are all about the future. We talk about the future. And, and she said, you know, I really like that, but how am I going to do that? So I said, every time you feel your thoughts straying back to those bastards, that negative experience, you literally go and you think about it, fizzle out, you know, out of my head, into the bin. And I said, literally, every moment you feel your thoughts, you, know, you go right out of my head, into the bin. And, um, and, and so she said, I will. And so she, she emailed me, you know, subsequently saying, you know, Thank you so much. After I saw you, for the rest of the day, I walked around, taking it out of my head and putting it in the bin. <laughs> and, and, and it's literally, that is the way to physically think about it. And so with fear, I go, okay, I feel fear creeping up, right? Not having any of that. Away fear. Now what am I going to do? I love that. I'm going to try that myself because, you know, and I remember once speaking to a therapist who said so many of the stories people create in their heads this is in the same vein, but just to add to that, so many mm. of the stories people create in their heads are not even true. So mm. in addition to having to get rid of the things that actually did happen mm. to you that you should get rid of, there's another mm. narrative that you put in your head that is often not the case either. So yeah. all of yeah. that needs to go into the yeah. bed. Exactly. Exactly. So for people that want to follow Cindy Gallup, um, most people, I think, know where to find you. But can you tell us where to find you on social media and where to check out Make Love Not Porn? Sure. So I'm at Cindy Gallup and we are at Make Love Not Porn on Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, on Facebook, we are MLNP TV, and I'm Cindy Gallup. I'm Cindy Gallup on LinkedIn. Um, you can find Make Love Not Porn at makelovenotporn.com. Do sign up, subscribe, support my startup. And also, um, I have started, like everyone else in the world, a Substack. Um, and it's called Dear Cindy. But the reason I started is because for the past 14 years, as you can probably imagine, in amongst the avalanche of emails I've gotten about Make Love Not Porn, I've had a ton asking for sex advice because people often have, have not known where to turn for that. And I have to tell you that when I get an email like the one I did some years ago from a teenage boy who wrote to me saying, you know, I'm 16, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. Please tell me how to make love, not porn, because I really want to know. And I know my parents won't tell me <laughs> when I get an email like that. It doesn't matter how buried under startup stress I am. I write back and I write back at length. And he replied and he said, thank you so much. He said his girlfriend went, where did you learn that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, I mean, so I still get those emails. And then people ask me things on social media. People want to know how I make the perfect martini, where I got this thing I'm wearing, etc. So I started Dear Cindy on Substack. So basically, anyone can ask me anything. And then every Monday, I answer one question. And um, and everybody listening, you know, please do go to Substack and take out a paid subscription because it all goes to support Make Love Not Porn. But I would love to have your questions, too. And as you can imagine, you can literally ask me anything. <laughs> well, in that vein, then, perhaps this is a great place to end and just ask you, is there one piece of advice that has really helped you through your life and your career that you can share with us? Absolutely. And I can't remember who it was who said this to me, but get more sleep. And they were absolutely right. Sleep is a wonderful thing. And honestly, sleep makes everything better. And I say this as someone who I have observed that as I get older, if I have one night of broken sleep, you know, whether it's on a red eye flight or you know, I've stayed up late to watch something. I really feel it the next day. And I am not in good shape until I can catch up on that sleep. And so I sleep every chance I get. I'm a huge fan of sleeping. And so my advice, honestly, is get more sleep. Thank you so much, Cindy. As always, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Total pleasure talking to you, Katie. Thank you for having me on. Thank you.